0: Welcome to the Compelling Words podcast. The Word of God is meant to move us. It's meant to call us to action. Listen in as Kevin Purdy teaches and presents a genuine and compelling message from the Word of God. The last few weeks I've been talking about some of the different names for God. We've been looking at some of those Hebrew words that are used in the Old Testament, those that are used for God, the names of God. And we talked uh, in the Bible, God reveals himself to us with different names. The names in general are descriptions of who God is. We talked about the Hebrew word Elohim. Elohim is God the creator. We talked about the Hebrew word Adonai, Adonai. And Adonai is God, the Lord over all. He is the one in authority. He has the supreme, ultimate authority. Last week we talked about Yahweh. He is the God who was and the God who is and the God who is to come. An ever-present, unchanging God. A God who is with us. Today I'd like to look at another Hebrew word or another name that is used for God. And more than likely you will be very familiar with this one. Even those who are outside of the church would recognize this. It comes from a psalm that we're all familiar with. It's Psalm 23. And here's what it says. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. is a very well known scripture. You hear it quite often, especially you'll hear it at funerals. It's also read or quoted in moments of fear or when nerves are getting rattled. You're in a situation where your nerves are getting rattled, you're fearful, and so that verse is often quoted or said. Military chaplains will tell you that on the night before a battle, there are many soldiers who find comfort and strength in those words, the words of Psalm 23. So why does that psalm have such an impact? Why does it give us so much comfort and so much peace? Well, I think I think I know why. Because of that very first verse within that psalm. Verse 1 says, The Lord is my Shepherd. In the Old Testament Hebrew, it says Jehovah-Rohai. Jehovah-Rohai. Jehovah comes from the word that means to be or ever-present, God with us. It's the same Hebrew word that is actually Yahweh. Rohai comes from a word that means to tend to or to care for, to pasture, to shepherd. jehovah When the Lord is with us, he is tending to us. He is caring for us. The Lord is taking care over us. The Lord is my shepherd. Why does this psalm give us so much comfort and peace? Because it reminds us that just like a shepherd takes care of his sheep, God is. Is taking care of us. This psalm was written by King David. Well, do you remember what King David did before he was chosen as king? He was a shepherd. He was a shepherd. So he knew what a shepherd did. He knew how the sheep smelled. He knew what needed to be done to take care of them. He knew the dedication and the work that was necessary. He knew that sheep are vulnerable and weak and dependent animals. And he knew that the sheep needed the shepherd. And David knew that just like the sheep need a shepherd, he needed God. Think about it. David was a king. David was a warrior. David was strong and he was successful, but he still needed God. His life was filled with conflict. With war and with family issues. There was a lot of stuff going on. He gave in to sin. He committed adultery. He even committed murder. And he felt the pain of losing a son in, in death. And he felt the rebellion of having a son who wanted to kill him and take his throne. He knew conflict. He knew dysfunction. He knew all of that. David knew the agony of life. He knew pain and he knew heartache. He knew temptation and he knew that the struggle to do what is right. David knew. David knew that he needed God. So let me ask have you ever felt the agony of life? Have you known pain and heartache? Are you too familiar with temptation? Do you sometimes struggle to do what is right? Well, guess what? If you said yes to that, if you know that heartache and pain, if you know the agony of life, if you're familiar with temptation, and if you struggle sometimes to do what is right, if that's true, then you're in the same company as David. You're in the same position that David was in. You need a shepherd. Have you ever heard of a spirit animal? Native Americans used to believe that we sometimes would have these animals guiding us in our lives. And then in the 1990s, some pagan and Wiccan groups adopted this into their belief systems. So, a spirit animal in that distorted belief is literally a spiritual guide that takes the form of an animal. And as that phrase, the phrase of a spirit animal, as that phrase was used more and more, it became less and less about actual spiritual guides. And it became more about having a close, a close, Identification or affection for something. Having a spirit animal didn't necessarily mean a spiritual guide as much as now it meant, you know, having a close affection or identification with something. So someone would say something like, My spirit animal is chocolate. <laughs> it just means I'm all about chocolate. It just means that. And now people will refer to a spirit animal. Without any real serious belief in it. And people just kind of make a joke about it. But it used to be a very genuine and serious belief. And it used to be animals specifically. So, just out of curiosity, I did a quiz online to figure out what my spirit animal is. And I was thinking maybe something strong, like a grizzly bear. You know, or I was thinking maybe something that represents wisdom, like an owl. Or I was thinking maybe it'll just be something literal, like a bald eagle. <laughs> but, but no, according to the quiz, my spirit animal is a snake. <laughs> that kind of surprised me. But here's what it said. It said the snake animal meaning is powerfully connected to life force and primal energy. In many cultures, it is revered as a powerful totem representing the source of life. When the snake spirit animal appears in your life, it likely means that healing opportunities, change, important transitions, and increased energy are manifesting. What? (laughs) It's just, just silly. I don't get it. And I'm going to be very, very clear. There's no truth. There's no truth in spirit animals. That's not taught anywhere biblically. But I will say this. I will say the animal that God most often used to refer to us is sheep. If we do have a spirit animal, according to God, it is sheep. And I know, I know it would be that's not really that impressive. Uh, It'd be nice to be associated with something uh, more exciting, something fierce or powerful or strong or something extraordinary. But nope, the Bible refers to us as sheep. And it's not the wild mountain sheep with the big horns. It's the domestic sheep, the woolly farm animals that say, "Bah!" That's what the Bible refers to us. That's what God refers to us as. I'm certainly not an expert on sheep. Uh, I worked at a camp for a couple summers where the camp manager raised sheep, so I've been around them a little bit. And I don't know if I should share this, but I will. I once took one of the sheep one day, and I smuggled it into the cook's cabin. And tied it up in his bathroom. I I thought that it would be a fun surprise when he came home. Um, I did not anticipate how nervous the sheep would get. And I didn't anticipate what nervous sheep do. And so needless to say, there was a big mess that was made. Why are we compared to sheep? Why are we compared to sheep? Well... Remember what David said, Jehovah-Rohi, the Lord is my shepherd. We are sheep because just like sheep, we need a shepherd. We need God. Let me make a few comparisons. Sheep sometimes do dumb stuff. If you Google the question, are sheep smart, you're going to find articles about how sheep are actually very intelligent, with high cognitive abilities, including problem solving and good memory. However, you're also going to find tons of stories about ridiculous and harmful situations that sheep get themselves into. And anybody who's ever raised sheep, if you ask them the question, are sheep smart, They'll give you a different answer than what Google gives you. <laughs> Several years ago, there was a news story from Istanbul. 400 sheep fell 49 feet to their death in a ravine near Iran, but broke the fall of another 1,100 animals who survived. So you've got, you've got, four, you've got 400 sheep that fall off this ravine and die, and then 1,100 who fall off and land on this big comfy pillow. And they survive. The shepherds from a nearby village neglected their flock while they were eating breakfast and left the sheep to roam free. And they estimate that the loss to those farmers was about $74,000. One sheep got too close to the edge and fell off, and the other sheep just kept following and kept falling. (laughs) Do you see why we need a shepherd? Do you see why, we, why they need a shepherd? Do you see why we need a shepherd? We sometimes do st- dumb stuff. We sometimes get too close to the edge and fall off. We sometimes follow the wrong person or the wrong thing, and we end up getting hurt. Here's another comparison. Sheep are prone to wander. Even if the grass is green and the water is still, sheep still wander. They can't help it. It's in their nature. They need a shepherd who makes sure that they stay close. In Romans chapter 7, the Apostle Paul wrote about our tendency to wander. In Romans 7, verse 15, he says, "...for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate." Verse 18 and 19, For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Verse 21, So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. And verse 24 and 25, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul knew that we sometimes struggle to do what is right. Sometimes we wander away from where we should be. But let's also be a little cautious about this. Let's be careful here because, as Christians, the Holy Spirit is working in our life. And our prone to wander is not something that we're meant to settle with or accept. We're not meant to always be prone to wander. As we mature and grow in our faith, we become more inclined to follow, more inclined to obey. Just like Paul stated, thanks to God through Jesus Christ, He has delivered us, He has rescued us from our sinful flesh. Through Christ, by the Holy Spirit, We are being renewed and we're being sanctified. And as our faith matures, the power of sin becomes less and less of a struggle. But just like sheep, we need to stay close to the shepherd. We need to stay close to the shepherd or we might end up where we shouldn't be. Here's one more comparison. Sheep cannot care for themselves. Sheep cannot care for themselves. If you took a sheep away from the herd, away from the shepherd or the farmer, and set it loose in the wild, it, it's not going to survive very long. First of all, sheep have no defensive traits. Along comes Mr. Predator, looking for a nice plump meal, and it's fight or it's flight. Sheep don't fight very well. They don't have claws, they don't have fangs, they're not agile, they're not strong. So if they can't fight, then then they must flight, they must try to get away. They can run, but they can't run very fast. And if their wool is overgrown, which it would be if there was no shepherd taking care of them, that wool would weigh them down to a point at which it was even hard to walk. They don't have wings. They don't have any other type of escape ability. Maybe they could hide. They don't blend in with their environment very well. I've never seen a camouflaged sheep. They cannot curl up in a protective ball. They don't have a hard protective shell. They don't have quills or anything like that. They, they can't even try to scare a predator away. A dog will growl and bark. A cat will hiss, a lion will roar, a rattlesnake rattles, and all a sheep does is go bah. Not gonna work. The best thing that a sheep could do is huddle together with other sheep. But on her own, she's nothing but a defenseless target. They can't fight, they can't scare, they can't escape, and they can't hide. Think about the predator that we have that wants to take us out. The Bible compares us to sheep. The Bible compares Satan to a roaring lion and a dragon. Between the influence of Satan and the temptations of our own sin, we don't stand a chance. We don't stand a chance unless we have someone like a shepherd who can protect us. And that's exactly what Jesus did. That's exactly what Jesus did. Colossians 2, verse 13 through 15 says, You were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Jehovah-Rohi. Jesus, our shepherd, stood in front of us, and like a shepherd defending his sheep, he protected us from our greatest threat. Finally, one more noteworthy attribute about sheep. And I briefly mentioned it earlier. But wild sheep, wild sheep will grow the amount of wool that they need to stay warm. And then when the temperature rises, they'll shed their wool. Domestic sheep do not shed. And they have to be sheared. And that's not the only issue. Most animals will clean themselves. Sheep do not. They're afraid of water, and they're unable to lick their own wool. Their skin secretes an oil called lanolin, and it coats their wool and helps protect it, but it also causes the wool to entrap all sorts of grass and dirt and dust. It just accumulates more and more into the wool. Sheep are dirty, and they need someone like a shepherd to clean them up. Let me say that again. Sheep are dirty, and they need someone like a shepherd to clean them up. Our sin has made us unclean. It's made us dirty. It's afflicting, and it's unhealthy. And there's nothing that we can do to clean ourselves up. There's nothing we can do on our own to make us clean. Listen to the words of Isaiah. Isaiah 64, 6. All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Our sin has made us unclean, and our own righteousness cannot wash us clean. But there is a promise. Isaiah says it in Isaiah 118. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they're as red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Isaiah is talking about sin that is forgiven. The sin was scarlet. It was red like crimson. And now it is white as snow. And then he compares it to wool. Wool. And you could be sure this is not the wool of a sheep that needs to be shorn. This is the wool of a young lamb, a freshly sheared sheep. You see, God does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Through Jesus, He makes us clean. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God had made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus took our filth upon himself so that we could be made clean. When God calls us sheep, it's not because we're cute and cuddly. We are dirty. We are dumb. And we are in a very desperate need for someone to take care of us. We need a shepherd, Jehovah-Rohi. Look again at Psalm 23, and notice how personal that this is written from David. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. And it goes on and on and continues like that all through the psalm. David's, David's comfort from God was very, very personal. The Lord is my shepherd. You see, it's very, very true, it's very true that Jesus, the good shepherd, gave his life for everyone. Jesus died for every single person who has lived or ever will live. But only those who have placed their faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, only those that have placed their faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, they are the only ones that are His sheep. They are the only ones that are actually His sheep. They are the only ones who are under His care and His protection. When you, with a genuine pledge from your heart, say yes, and choose to follow Jesus as Lord and Savior, then you become a part of his flock, and he becomes your shepherd. A person without Jesus is quite literally like a lost lamb. Those without Jesus are sheep without a shepherd. The sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross is a sufficient payment for our sin. His saving act is sufficient for everyone, but it is only effective for those who put their faith in Christ. If he's not my shepherd, then the words of Psalm 23 are not for me. If he's not my shepherd, then the words of Psalm 23 are not for me. But if he is my shepherd, if he is really mine, and I am really his, then I have the promise of Psalm 23. And I'll read it again, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thanks for listening. Please take a moment to rate this podcast. May the word of God be living and active in your life.